WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning. This is James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on this Monday. It's February 19th, and here's your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to kick things off. Skies are clear around the tri-state this morning. Wind out of the west at 8 miles per hour. We'll get up to 39 degrees later today. Sunny skies expected. Overnight into Tuesday, mostly clear, falling to 26. Tomorrow, Tuesday, mostly sunny with a high near 37. And then Wednesday, midweek, partly sunny. Topping out at 37 yet again. 32 degrees in Midtown Manhattan, 27 in Denville, New Jersey, and 31 in Dix Hills on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So today is President's Day. Technically speaking, it's listed as Washington's birthday observed on the calendar. Washington's birthday is actually February 22nd. Lincoln's, by the way, is February 12th. And when I was a kid, I feel like it was described as Washington and Lincoln's birthday most of the time. Today, we say President's Day, by and large, at least at the federal level, and that's okay. But it's really about recognizing the unique greatness of Washington and Lincoln. Washington was actually born in Virginia on February 11th, 1731, according to the then-used Julian calendar. But it was in 1752 when Britain and its colonies adopted the Gregorian calendar. And that moved Washington's birthday to February 12th, 1732. And then going back to the 19th century, the 1800s, Americans celebrated February 22nd to honor Washington. And now at least a dozen states officially celebrate the third Monday in February as Washington and Lincoln's birthday. For the tri-state, by the way, for New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, it is, as we said, Washington's birthday observed. And in 1971, Congress fixed Washington's birthday and several other holidays on Mondays to create long holiday weekends. And for anybody who's off from work today, I'm sure you appreciate that. And also, let's mention this. Revived on Washington's 200th birthday in 1932, the Purple Heart Medal, which bears Washington's image, we know it's awarded to soldiers who were injured in battle. So as with Memorial Day and Veterans Day, Washington's birthday is another opportunity for the United States to honor its veterans. And if you were listening to Overnight with Frank Murano, The Other Side of Midnight, you know they did some presidential trivia. Well, uh, how about this? Did you know that Abraham Lincoln actually did have some time serving in the military? He's not really thought of as a soldier as Washington is, but Lincoln spent three months in the Illinois militia in 1832 during the Black Hawk War. Lincoln was born in Kentucky on February 12th in 1809. And in terms of some other presidential trivia, Martin Van Buren, the nation's eighth president, was actually the first president born after the American Revolution, and that was in Kinderhook, New York. So he's the first American-born president, technically. The seven presidents before Van Buren, born in the American colonies. Meanwhile, today would have been the 23rd birthday celebration for Winston Palazza. His family and friends know him as Bebe, a resident of Patterson, He was killed last week while walking in Nutley, New Jersey. And as of this weekend, cops have made an arrest in that case. 45-year-old Dakir Robinson arrested. Whiston was walking with a date on Valentine's Day when he was struck and killed, not far from the Garden State overpass in Nutley, Garden State Parkway. 
and Palazza, he was hospitalized and treated, pronounced dead at the scene. His family, obviously devastated. He had a big heart. He had a big heart. Everyone loved him. He had a big heart. It was only 22. We just want justice and anything helps. I appreciate everything. I appreciate all the words and all the messages, but it's not bringing him it's back. Not bringing him back. So Robinson has been charged with leaving the scene of an accident that resulted in death, among other offenses. Out on Long Island, a police-involved shooting left a man dead this weekend after he allegedly stabbed a Suffolk County police officer with a knife. This was Saturday morning in Bayshore. Body cam footage has been posted online, and cops say that 33-year-old Takel Woodson emerged from a home with a large knife and chased after one of the officers who then fell down in the snow that's still on the ground out there. Woodson can be seen on the video stabbing the cop. A third officer opens fire, and the suspect did die from those gunshot wounds. The injured officer treated for stab wounds to his arms, hands, and face before being released from the hospital. So, what is open and what's closed for President's Day? We know the stock market is closed today. The bond market also closed. A good number of people have the day off from work. And road construction, uh, those projects on pause today. We'll get you your traffic update in just about a minute here. Most retail stores are open, supermarkets, clothing stores. You can hit those up, for example. But many corporate offices and government agencies will be closed. President's Day, a bank holiday in the Federal Reserve System, so most banks will be closed. The post office not doing their business. Mail won't be delivered to homes or businesses today. And non-essential government offices also closed. So if you're planning a trip to the DMV today, bad news. That is not in the cards. And in terms of keeping things moving for the local economy, we could be looking at some hiccups here in the coming weeks around the New York City area as in response to last Friday's decision from Judge Arthur N. Guron finding former President Trump over $350 million dollars and suspending the Trump Organization's right to do business in New York for three years. Now, a group of truck drivers who support President, former President Trump say that they're not going to be driving to New York City as a means of expressing their disappointment. Many pro-Trump truckers, especially offended apparently by the suspension of Trump's company business license here in New York, the movement Boycott NYC trended on X this weekend. And a man known online as Chicago Ray posted a video to X following the court's decision. Hey, folks, you old pal, Chicago Ray. Uh, I've been on the radio talking, talking to drivers for about the last hour, hour 15 minutes. And uh, I'm talking to at least 10 drivers going the other way. I'm heading down from South Wisconsin. And uh, they're going to start refusing loads in New York City starting on Monday. All right. Uh, I got about three drivers that I drive with. They already vibrated the boss and told them they ain't going to New York City. WABC News Time 509. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning and the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. So we told you about this potential trucker protest coming down the pike as some truckers say they're basically not going to be coming to New York anymore as a result of that ruling from a judge on Friday that fined Trump and his company over $350 million. Well, meanwhile, the radio host, sometimes called Hip Hop's Howard Stern, says nobody's inspired by this year's presidential election. The crooks are the Republicans. The, the cowards are the Democrats because they don't fight hard enough on anything. And, you know, the couch is voter apathy.
Speaking there on ABC's This Week, the host whose stage name is Charlemagne the God calls a likely Joe Biden-Donald Trump rematch a choice between an uninspiring candidate in Biden and a threat to democracy, as he says, in Trump. It's absolutely true. And it's mind-boggling to me that, you know, nobody is taking it as serious as I feel like they should. Nothing about, you know, Joe Biden that makes you want to listen to him. That's why he should be leaning on, you know, his vice president, Kamala Harris, who's way more charismatic than him. And you may recall that last time around during the presidential election of 2020, President Biden made an appearance with Charlemagne the God and said, if you don't support him, you ain't black. Charlemagne says he's openly critical of Democrats and Republicans on his show, but that he does believe Trump poses a greater risk. His real name, Leonard McKelvey, by the way. And he did, as you heard there, mention Vice President Kamala Harris. And Charlemagne says he wishes Harris, a former DA in San Francisco, was the one prosecuting the case against Donald Trump. Which one of those cases? Not really sure. In Minnesota, a firefighter and two police officers were killed after responding to a domestic call in a Minneapolis suburb. The state's governor, Tim Waltz, posted online that other officers were injured in this incident, which was in Burnsville, a town of 64,000 located about 15 miles south of Minneapolis. This domestic-related shooting reported per social media, a post by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. And according to a report from the Star Tribune, law enforcement sources confirmed the suspected gunman had died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Cops say the suspect had several guns and fired from multiple points in the house. There were seven children inside that home. All of them reported safe. Dylan Howell said he heard a few bangs minutes apart in his neighborhood. I'm not sure that those were gunshots. They might have been, you know, tear gas or flashbangs or something. Yeah, I heard uh, reports of shots fired near Burnsville Parkway. Cops are expected to provide more details at a news conference later today, but a firefighter paramedic and two police officers killed in that incident. And then early today in Indianapolis, a shooting at a Waffle House on that city's west side left one person dead and five injured. An adult female died at a hospital, three men in a woman's stable, an adult male in critical condition. And you might have seen this on social media this weekend. Nashville police Nashville, Tennessee, say a small crowd of neo-Nazis marched around the Tennessee state capitol Saturday afternoon. They were carrying flags with swastikas. Reports say this is part of the Blood Tribe, a white supremacist organization founded in 2021. Nobody arrested. The group apparently left in a U-Haul truck. And the state's Republican governor, Bill Lee, condemned the group on social media. More than a few people online, by the way, have described these types of marches as kind of suspicious as we've seen them before where people they're wearing khakis usually long sleeve shirts um cloths that cover their entire head and given none of these people show their face and dress so uniformly some people um have kind of wondered what's going on with these you know demonstrations these presences and some have suggested it could in fact be a federal operation aimed at you know hope finding white supremacists or people of that type finding white uh neo-nazis and stuff like that So not clear what happened there in Nashville, but like we said, no arrests made. In D.C., the chair of the House Intelligence Committee says he had fears that the White House was sleepwalking into an international crisis. This audio from NBC's Meet the Press this weekend 
Ohio Republican Congressman Mike Turner. My concern is that this is kind of like the Chinese spy balloon and the, the administration is kind of hiding perhaps, you know, some inaction. Now, last week, we heard from Turner that there was some national security threat that he was concerned about and that he was pushing the Biden White House to declassify information. Now, over time, we learned that this was related to some sort of alleged weapon that Russia may have, which can send nukes uh, in space and maybe take out satellites, cause all kind of chaos with that and obviously cause destruction. Um, so that's sort of what Turner's dancing around here on NBC's Meet the Press. I'm very glad that the administration is beginning to take action. Uh, we met with Jake Sullivan, and he began to lay out a plan uh, that hopefully would begin to address this. And he wants the information declassified. They are going to be taking it seriously. I think they will be taking action, and that obviously is the goal. But Turner would not confirm whether or not this refers to news reports of Russia developing a space-based nuclear weapon that, like we said, could attack satellites. And some nuclear saber rattling from a close ally of Russian President Vladimir Putin over the weekend made headlines. And we'll tell you about that in a second. Right now, WABC News Time 515. So we had the NBA All-Star Game this weekend. We also had the NHL's Stadium Series returning. And we're going to get the latest in sports now from Justin Ellick. Justin? Thank, thank you, uh, James Flippinier. We'll start with that uh, stadium series at MetLife. You had that uh, kind of a doubleheader back-to-back days there, outdoor hockey. Do you hockey. like the outdoor hockey? Are you a fan love, of that? Yeah, who doesn't love outdoor hockey? I think it's a celebration of the game. It's the way the game was meant to be played, flipping Once, on a, once on upon a, a time, that's on all a they link, had, right? You know, on a frozen body of water. Right. I mean, that's just as primal as it gets, no? It's true. I mean, that's... I, <laughs> You didn't have, uh, I don't know, when they first were playing hockey, obviously you couldn't play it indoors. Right. There you go. That's what I'm saying. So it's the way the game was meant to be played. But we will start there at MetLife where the uh, New Jersey Devils, Captain Nico Heischer, had two goals and an assist, including the second fastest tally to start an outdoor game. And the Devils never looked back in beating the Philadelphia Flyers 6-3 to before 70,328 fans at MetLife. Nathan Bastion also scored twice, and Tyler Toffoli and Brendan Smith each had a goal as the Devils won for the thir- uh, third time in four games. Nico Dawes made 43 saves in the event that kicked off two consecutive days of hockey at the home of the Jets and the Giants. The Devils' third win in four games moved them to two points behind Detroit in the race for the second wild card in the Eastern Conference and five behind the Flyers for the third place in the Metro Division. This is the first time... Uh, uh, the NHL Stadium Series will have games on consecutive days with fans. The Islanders and Rangers consisted of the second leg of the festivities yesterday at MetLife. After falling behind by three goals early in the second period, the Rangers kept their composure, kept up the pressure, and they got a big comeback win to remain perfect in outdoor games. Artemi Panarin scored 10 seconds in overtime, and the Blue Shirts beat the Crosstown rival Islanders 6-5 to in their Stadium Series game. Panarin Knocked in the puck off Islanders defenseman Noah Dobson and goalie Ilya Sorokin. And the puck trickled across the goal line after Dobson knocked the right side of the goal loose. The goal was confirmed after a review. Vincent Trocek had two goals and an assist. And uh, Eric Gustafsson, Chris Kreider, and Mika Zibanejad also scored for the Rangers, who won their season-high seventh straight and improved to 5-0 and outdoors. Panarin, Alexi Lafreniere, and Adam Fox 
Each had two assists, and Igor Shosturkin finished with 36 saves. Rangers coach Peter Laviolette was behind the uh, bench for his fifth outdoor game, tying Joel Kennebel for the most in NHL history and got his first win in open air. The second game in two days at the home of the NFL's Jets and Giants drew 79,690 fans, the third biggest crowd for an NHL outdoor game, and a little more than 9,000 higher than the attendance of the Devils-Flyers game the day prior, if you are... uh, Keeping score. Wow, despite the Jonas Brothers concert. Well, yeah, but I think that was honestly probably more of an issue than not because you had to clear people out that didn't want to stay for the hockey game, that wanted to just see the Jonas Brothers, and then get the people in for the hockey game. Yeah. So there were a lot of people that weren't even in their seats and the game had already started. I mean, that's not the way you want to run no. an outdoor hockey game. That, that's not the logistics we're looking for. Right, you don't want to have people late. My God. Uh, but to that any uh, NBA All-Star action that you did mention, uh, it was All-Star festivities over the weekend in Indianapolis. So you won't see the Knicks or Nets until uh, Thursday in the highest-scoring All-Star game ever. The Eastern Conference beat the Western Conference 211 to 186. So bit of a blown-out score there. Absolutely no defense. Damian Lillard wins uh, MVP. That is your sports, James. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, I do have to admit, when I was hearing the news over overnight and I heard that score, that NBA All-Star game, it was striking at yeah, first. And yeah. then it's like, oh, okay, all right, the All-Star game. Glad I didn't watch. No, <laughs> no, and I did not either, but that's okay. WABC News Time 520, James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. So in recent days, as Congress considers whether or not to give money to Ukraine, Israel, interests in the Indo-Pacific... We've also heard about a national security threat, supposedly with space nukes. And this now, Dmitry Medvev is deputy secretary of the Russian Security Council. Yesterday on Telegram, a social media app, he warned that Russia will launch Armageddon, he says, by nuking cities such as Washington, D.C. and London if Moscow is forced to give up Ukrainian territory that's taken over amid the war between Ukraine and Russia. And this is the quote on Telegram. Attempts to restore Russia's 1991 borders will lead to only one thing, a global war with Western countries. And then he goes on to talk about the use of strategic nuclear weapons against Kiev, Berlin, London and Washington. And the Kiev Independent reporting that. By the way, a human rights group says over 400 supporters of Alexei Navalny have been arrested since the Russian opposition leader died last week. It was on Friday when Navalny died in a maximum security prison in northern Russia. And we've seen some people that are actually, you know, putting together demonstrations here in the city for Navalny, at least over the last three nights outside the Russian consulate on Manhattan's Upper East Side. There's been a memorial growing. And a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee says it's not a coincidence that the death of Navalny happened at the same time the Munich Security Conference is being held. This is from Fox News Sunday, Colorado Democrat Michael Bennett. To tell the world that he doesn't care what anybody thinks and that he can do anything that he wants to do. President Biden and other leaders have said that Russian President Vladimir Putin is responsible for Navalny's death. And Navalny led protests against the Kremlin over the past decade. He has or he did run for president against Putin at one point. And Bennett, the Colorado Democrat, says he's disagreeing with a recent White House decision to issue a temporary pause on U.S. liquefied natural gas exports. 
saying that it's actually important for the U.S. to continue to replace the natural gas European countries had been importing from Russia. Bennett going on to say more about what the U.S. can do to respond to the death of Navalny. To continue to fund Ukraine, to push back on the illegal invasion that Putin has led. And of course, this all continuing to surround the debate over funding. That funding package made it out of the Senate last week. Now the House will consider it. Um, House Speaker Mike Johnson has basically said that it's a no-go, that they won't even bring it to a floor vote because he's looking for changes at the southern border to be made in order for there to be you know enough votes to come together for that aid package. GOP presidential hopeful Nikki Haley, former U.N. ambassador and former South Carolina governor, she slammed former President Trump over the weekend for his silence on last week's death of Navalny. Speaking on ABC's This Week, Haley suggested two possible reasons for that. She says that Maybe President Biden and other leaders having said that Putin's responsible. Well, Haley says maybe Trump believes it's, quote, cool for Putin to have one of its opponents killed or potentially Trump doesn't consider the death that important. And she said whichever one is true there is concerning and a problem. Democrats like Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, they're continuing to demand that House Speaker Mike Johnson and House Republicans pass that foreign aid bill we've been talking about. And after the death of Navalny, Senator Schumer says that Russian President Putin is, quote, watching. And Schumer says Navalny's tragic death makes it even more urgent for the passing of that security supplemental. WABC News Time 524. This was a pretty wild story that's continuing to develop back here at home. A Pennsylvania judge who allegedly shot her ex-boyfriend in the head has been charged with attempted murder. This is out of Susquehanna Township in Pennsylvania, as Magistral District Judge Sonia McKnight is accused of shooting her ex-boyfriend in the head in Harrisburg, Michael McCoy. Apparently, McCoy wanted to end his one-year relationship with McKnight, and she shot him, according to police. And again, some weird things here where apparently she tried to convince the guy that he'd shot himself and of course that didn't really go over too well so now um, she is charged with attempted murder and she was already suspended from the bench for habitual absences and excessive vacations that was back in 2023 Sonia McKnight Pennsylvania judge in 2019 she allegedly shot her husband in the groin and got off on a claim of self-defense 2021, she was charged with interfering with her son's arrest, acquitted by a local jury. So a lot of stuff going on with Pennsylvania Judge Sonia McKnight, and we'll have to keep an eye on the latest developments. Across the Delaware River from Pennsylvania down here in New Jersey, Cranford, New Jersey, police are searching for suspects who abandoned a dog that was found tied to a pole. Police say the dog named Zeus was found last Thursday on Lexington Avenue. Tied to a pole, there was a handmade sign saying he doesn't bite and needs a home. Well, he's currently being shared for at a shelter, cared for, I should say, at a shelter in Cranford. Back in the city, cops are looking for a driver who ran all over a police officer's foot while fleeing a traffic stop. This was in Queens. Happened uh, near 109th Avenue and Center Street, Centerville Street in South Ozone Park. This was around 8 o'clock last night. 
suspect in a black Chevy, the officer hospitalized with minor injuries. And meanwhile, cops in Brooklyn arrested an FDNY lieutenant for allegedly assaulting an EMT in the middle of a 911 call. Police say that Neil Francis attacked the EMT Saturday in Crown Heights. The two got into a verbal dispute, apparently, over how to handle a job. Neil Francis stationed at Engine 234, Battalion 38, and he's been charged with strangulation. WABC News Time 528. So yesterday out on Long Island, a fire at a senior apartment complex left an 84-year-old woman dead and a 74-year-old suffering from critical burns. This happened in Plainview around 5 a.m. yesterday, and all eight departments responded before getting those flames put out, and there were a number of people treated for smoke inhalation as well. Former Long Island Congressman George Santos is suing late-night talk show host Jimmy Kimmel for allegedly misusing Cameo videos on his talk show. The lawsuit filed over the weekend claims the late-night host requested at least 14 videos from the New York Republican on a site where celebrities sell customized video messages. An attorney for Santos said in an email while he admits the segment was funny, Kimmel's actions violated copyright law. Kimmel previously joked about a possible suit from Santos when he requested $20,000 for previously aired videos. Can you imagine if I get sued by George Santos for fraud? Audio courtesy of ABC's Jimmy Kimmel Live. Santos is seeking damages totaling $750,000. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. And staying on Long Island, the LIRR plans to invest in a new battery-powered rescue engine. Acting LIRR President Robert Free explaining the proposed purchase would help trains which may become disabled in tunnels into and out of the new Grand Central Madison Terminal. The battery-powered locomotive does not rely on third rail or diesel power, which means it's an effective alternative if trains get stuck during power outages. Details of the purchase aren't yet known. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. And as for batteries of the lithium-ion variety, there is a big fire over in Europe to tell you about, and that connects New York and the FDNY and lobbying efforts down in D.C. Also, some controversy for St. Patrick's Cathedral. Tell you about that as well. WABC News Time 530, James Flippin, filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noam on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 532, James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning on Monday, February 19th. And here's your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to kick things off. Skies are clear around the tri-state this morning. Wind out of the west at 8 miles per hour, getting up to 39 degrees later today. Sunny skies expected tomorrow, Tuesday, mostly sunny with a high near 37. Wednesday, partly sunny. And again, we'll top out at 37 degrees. Right now, 31 in Midtown Manhattan, 27 in Denville, New Jersey, 30 in Dix Hills on Long Island. And that's your weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So on Saturday, a warehouse that is housing recyclable batteries in France caught on fire. These are lithium-ion batteries 
And this is doing nothing to calm fears over these batteries' safety issues, something we know all too well here in New York. Basically, some people say that these batteries, especially when they're old and maybe corrupted or in some way broken or leaking or anything like that, are a major sudden combustion risk. Authorities in the southern town of Viviez in France have ordered residents to stay indoors and keep their windows closed. 900 tons of lithium batteries were waiting to be recycled there. And they are used in electric scooters. They're used in vacuum cleaners. But if they overheat or become damaged in some way, they can spontaneously combust. And the mayor of that town there, Viviez, Jean-Louis Denois, says this fire is shocking. And he says there's a reason to ask questions about the function of electric vehicles and lithium batteries. It did take firefighters about 70 It took about 70 firefighters to get this fire under control, and then air quality tests are underway. Back here in the city, a high-ranking FDNY official was just busy down in D.C. urging Congress to take action to regulate lithium-ion batteries that caused these fires. Chief Fire Marshal Daniel Flynn on Capitol Hill last week calling for federal safety regulations. Lithium-ion batteries caused 268 fires in New York City in 2023. And it is illegal here in New York to sell uh, or use refurbished batteries. And it was on Thursday when that hearing was being held. There's a resolution introduced by New York Representative Richie Torres. Apparently, Senators Chuck Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand are in favor of this. And Torres does say he thinks this will continue to pass through Congress. FDNY Commissioner Laura Kavanaugh earlier this month after they'd busted up a shop in Queens that refurbishes these types of batteries, talking about why they're dangerous. Unregulated, tampered with, and non-certified batteries are extremely dangerous and deadly. They kill people, they have killed people, and they will kill more people if businesses continue to operate in this manner. If you buy them from the manufacturer and you don't tamper with them, they remain relatively safe, but as soon as you do anything else, um, you're dealing with a very unstable and very uh, potentially explosive device. And across the country, this is an issue or a concern, at least, the Washington State Fire Marshal talking about the dangers of lithium-ion batteries. Lithium batteries can cause fires, especially when being charged. In 2021, there were 208 fires across the U.S. involving lithium batteries that led to 19 deaths. The Fire Marshal recommends that you only buy products with lithium batteries that are listed by a qualified testing laboratory. Don't charge a device under a pillow, bed, or blanket. Stop charging the battery when it's full and store batteries away from anything that can burn. Brad Ford, NBC News Radio. And back here in the city now, some controversy for St. Patrick's Cathedral. As the cathedral says it was duped last week into hosting what many have called a sacrilegious funeral. It was transgender activist Cecilia Gentili who was being honored last Thursday. And she was eulogized as St. Cecilia, mother of all whores. More than 1,000 mourners were there. They were um, clad in flashy outfits including fishnet stockings, mini skirts, some wore halter tops and high heel shoes. The service was pretty rowdy. And near the altar, there were mass cards surrounding a photo of Gentili with a halo over her head. The words transvestite, whore, blessed, and mother were printed there above the text of Psalm 25. So you can imagine, and those were, by the way, according to reports from the New York Times, you can imagine some outrage 
as a result of that, and the cathedral has said that it was kind of tricked into this. But, you know, it is also worth noting that Gentile uh, was an advocate for the trans community, for sex workers, and for HIV and AIDS patients, according to the Times. By the way, as of last week, we found out the scaffolding surrounding Paris's Notre Dame Cathedral is starting to be removed. This after the historic landmark was severely damaged by a fire in 2019. At the top sits a golden rooster and cross, meant to symbolize a phoenix rising from the ashes. The famous Paris landmark was ravaged in a fire that started in the cathedral's attic, toppling the 19th century spire. The scaffolding will continue to be removed in the coming weeks, providing the first glimpses of what the restored cathedral will look like. The building itself is set to reopen December 8th. Tony Waterman, Paris. WABC News Time 539. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden here on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. So as we kick off the week, let's take a look at what to expect from the world of finance. Wall Street dark today for the holiday. Stock markets closed. The U.S. bond market also closed. Trading resumes tomorrow. And it comes after a lower close wrapped up last week's trading. Stocks slid after a larger-than-expected jump in wholesale prices. The January producer price index rose three-tenths of a percent, adding to fears that the Federal Reserve will delay rate cuts. And this week, we'll hear from some Federal Reserve officials, get some insight as to what the central bank is thinking. Otherwise, kind of a quiet week in terms of the economic calendar. Nothing scheduled to be released today for President's Day, tomorrow. We'll get the leading economic indicators for January, Wednesday, the minutes of the Fed's most recent January uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting are due. And then Thursday, jobless claims, as well as the S&P Services and Manufacturing PMI and existing home sales for January also due on Thursday. Something to keep an eye on, given what's going on with mortgage rates. And some owners of Tesla's new stainless steel Cybertruck are complaining about stains on the vehicle's body. Some have called them orange rust marks. Other call it corrosion. A man in Northern California says he picked up his shiny new Cybertruck and drove it in the rain. And within two days, tiny orange specks appeared on the truck's shell. They uh, They had to be buffed out, apparently. The Tesla Cybertruck manual confirms the body of the truck is susceptible to corrosive substances like grease, oil, tree resin, and dead insects, and apparently those need to be washed off quickly to prevent corrosion. It's not exactly the tough guy image with a truck that I would think, you know, if you're going to use a truck most of the time, you might worry about things like grease, oil, dead insects, and not want to have to wash it off so quick, but, you know... Not with Cybertruck, apparently. A biopic about a reggae legend ruled the weekend box office. Bob Marley, One Love, took in an estimated $27.7 million million in its opening weekend. The movie did open back on February 14th, setting a record for the biggest midweek Valentine's Day opening. Madam Web, the Spider-Man spinoff, opened in second place with just over $15.1 million. An investigation is underway after human remains were discovered on subway tracks in the Bronx. Police say that a human leg was found Saturday afternoon. This was along the northbound four line between 167th and 170th Street. 
in the Bronx. And investigators trying to figure out whose leg it is, how it got there. And that's apparently now been turned over to the medical examiner's office. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says she's committing more resources to fighting retail crime. Hochul appeared on WABC's Cats Roundtable Local Edition, where she addressed crime across the state, particularly in the retail division. I need the legislature to support more penalties for people who assault retail workers. I want to get that changed in the law. This follows the announcement of a $45 million plan from the governor to fight retail theft and property crime. The effort is part of the state's 2025 budget proposal. To hear the full interview with the governor, head to WABCRadio.com or listen on the 77 WABC Radio app. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. A man is recovering after being attacked randomly by another man with a pipe in Queens. Cops say this happened just before 1 o'clock Saturday morning at Queensboro Plaza's subway station. The 31-year-old victim standing by the turnstile when all of a sudden, unprovoked, the suspect approached him and struck him multiple times in the back of a head with a metal pipe. The victim taken to the hospital. He is expected to be okay, and cops are looking for that suspect. Meanwhile, a teen has been held without bail following a deadly subway shooting. Six people were shot on the platform at the Mount Eden subway station in the Bronx on Monday, including a 35-year-old bystander who was killed. 16-year-old Langle Jones, who lives in the Bronx, has been charged as an adult with murder and assault. The suspect and another teen were arrested Thursday. Police say gunfire erupted on a subway platform after two groups got into a fight over drill rap. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. Well, you might have heard about this. Uh, Oregon resident recently caught the bubonic plague from their cat. And this is the first case of bubonic plague in Oregon since 2015. Well, apparently veterinarian Athena Gafood has some information regarding this disease and things you got to look out for. If pets in a certain area are not treated with anti-flea medication, then there is a high chance that pet-to-human exposure could somehow result in bubonic plague. It's caused by zoonotic bacteria, which is found in the fleas, and it's transmitted between humans and animals with infected tissues, bites of inflected fleas, and inhalation of infected respiratory droplets. So this is what you got to look for, especially if you're a cat owner. Lethargy, depression, I don't know, I'm not sure how you're supposed to know your cat's depressed. Anorexia, again, Vomiting, diarrhea, dehydration, fever. Those are all things that you need to look out for if you're worried that your cat might have bubonic plague. Okay. And that's that news out of Oregon. So, WABC News Time, 545. We're going to get the latest from the world of sports with Justin Ellick. So, Justin, I know you are you're a Rangers guy, right? Yeah. So, after yesterday's goal fest, do we officially have a goalie controversy in New York? Uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't go that far. I would say that. Uh, uh, listen, if you ask, uh, if you ask Sid, he's been uh, Jonathan Quick's biggest fan all season. I mean, he's getting it done, man. He's yeah. getting it done. No, he really is. And uh, but you know, if you're the Rangers, it's a good. You know, it, it, it's not good the, problem it, to have. Yeah, I kind of want to say that, but at the same time, it's got to be a little bit awkward uh, at certain times when uh, when you know Jonathan Quick is having these games where he's you know. High 30s and saves, and he's keeping these teams, you know, under two goals a game pretty much for the most part. And then Chesterkin comes out, and, uh, you know, he wasn't great outdoors yesterday. And 
Uh, he hasn't been great all season. Uh, but, but prior to yesterday's game, for about a, a week and a half, two-week stretch, he was looking more like himself for a few games there uh, in a row. So, But, uh, no, I don't think it's time yet. Listen, if the if the Rangers weren't as good as they were, it'd be a bigger problem. Yeah, that's a but, good point. You know, but uh, but they're, uh, they keep winning hockey games, seven straight now. So it's, uh, it's not going to become a goalie issue unless they start losing. All right. All right, we will start uh, at MetLife Stadium on Saturday, though, James, where the uh, New Jersey Devils captain, Nico, he sure had two goals and an assist, including the second-fastest tally to start an outdoor game. And the Devils never looked back in beating the Philadelphia Flyers 6-3 before 70,328 fans. Nathan Bastian also scored twice, and Tyler Toffoli and Brendan Smith each had a goal as the Devils won for the third time in four games. Nico Dawes made 43 saves in the event that kicked off two consecutive days of hockey at the home of the Jets and Giants. Uh, this is the first time the NHL Stadium Series will have games on consecutive days with fans. The Islanders and Rangers consisted of the second leg of the festivities yesterday at MetLife. After falling behind by three goals early in the second period, the Rangers kept their composure, kept up the pressure, and got a big comeback win to remain perfect in outdoor games. Artemi Panarin scored 10 seconds into overtime, and the Rangers beat the Crosstown rival Islanders 6-5 to in their Stadium Series game. Panarin knocked in the puck off Islanders defenseman Noah Dobson, and goalie Ilya Sorokin, and the puck trickled across the goal line after Dobson knocked the right side of the goal loose. The goal was confirmed after a review. Uh, Vincent Trocek had two goals and an assist, and Eric Gustafson, Chris Kreider, and Mika Zibanejad also scored for the Blue Shirts, who won their season-high seventh straight and improved to 5-0 and outdoors. Panarin, Alexi Lafreniere, and Adam Fox each had two assists, and Chesterkin finished with 36 saves. Rangers coach Peter Laviolette was behind the bench for his fifth outdoor game, tying Joel Kennelville for the most in NHL history and got his first win in open air. The second game in two days at the home of those Jets and Giants drew 79,690 fans, the third biggest crowd for an NHL outdoor game and a little more than 9,000 higher than the attendance of that Devils-Flyers game from Saturday. No local action in the NBA to get to a James, given the All-Star festivities over the weekend in Indianapolis and the highest scoring All-Star game ever. The Eastern Conference beat the Western Conference 211-186. to Heck of a lot of offense. That's Sports James, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 548. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden here on Monday, February 19th, President's Day, and Coming off of Justin Ellick's earlier sports report following last week's deadly shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade, Travis Kelsey has donated $100,000 to children who were injured in that incident. Kelsey made the donations to the Reyes family, whose two daughters were reportedly shot in the leg. Taylor Swift also donated $100,000 to the family of a woman killed in the shooting. The team and the United Way of Kansas City have also started an emergency fund for the shooting victims. I'm Dina Kodiak. Today, the International Court of Justice in The Hague starts hearings on the Israeli war with the Palestinian group Hamas. This part of the Palestinian effort to get the international community to examine Israel's conduct in the war as the Jewish state continues to look and destroy Hamas in the Gaza Strip. And these judges with The Hague could take several months to render an opinion, but Israel has ignored opinions about the war and the issue of dealing with Hamas and groups like it in the past. Meanwhile, American forces dealing with the Iranian-backed Houthi rebels in the Red Sea say they've struck an underwater drone for the first time. U.S. Central Command says the undersea drone struck Saturday during a series of self-defense strikes in waters near Yemen. 
Central Command said they determined the targets presented an imminent threat to U.S. Navy ships and merchant vessels in the region, and Houthis have been attacking ships in the Red Sea in protests against the Israel-Hamas war. They claim to be going after ships with links to Israel. Of course, we've also heard from experts that, in essence, this is a move by Hamas, by Iran, by their allies and their proxies to try to put pressure on the West by disrupting international shipping with some of those attacks. Back here at home, an investigation continues into the death of the son of former YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki. UC Berkeley officials this weekend confirming that freshman Marco Troper had been found unresponsive on campus. The exact cause of death under investigation, but the family does suspect it was an accidental drug overdose. The 19-year-old Troper pronounced dead, and Wojcicki hasn't publicly commented. Family members of the young man taken to social media to express their sadness over the news. No foul play expected, and the exact cause of death, like we said, yet to be determined. So today, President's Day, and we told you about some of the things that you'll want to be aware of. The stock, mar- the stock market is closed. The bond market is closed. Um, government offices, by and large, closed. The post office not making deliveries. And it would have been the 23rd birthday celebration for a New Jersey man, Weston Palazza, who was killed last week while walking in Nutley, New Jersey. It was a hit and run, and cops, as of this weekend, made an arrest. 45-year-old Dakir Robinson accused in that incident. It was on Valentine's Day when Palazza was walking with his date. His date was also hurt. She was hospitalized and treated, and the young man's family obviously devastated. It would have been today his 24th birthday. He had a big heart. He had a big heart. Everyone loved him. He had a big heart. It was only 22. We just want justice and anything helps. I appreciate everything. I appreciate all the words and all the messages, but it's not bringing him back. Robinson has been charged with leaving the scene of an accident that resulted in death. Out on Long Island, a police-involved shooting left a man dead this weekend. 33-year-old Takel Woodson allegedly came out of a home in Bayshore with a large knife Saturday morning and stabbed a cop. A cop ran away, fell in the snow. That's when he was set upon with a knife. And another officer opened fire and shot Woodson. And that suspect died from the gunshot wounds. Meanwhile, the injured officer treated for stab wounds to his arms, hands, and face and has since been removed, uh, released, I should say, from the hospital. And this is in response to last Friday's decision from New York City Judge Arthur N. Guron fining former President Trump over $350 million, allegedly for inflating real estate values in a bid to get better terms from lenders and insurance companies. Well, a group of truckers, they're not too happy about that. And they say they're going to refuse to make deliveries, refuse to make trips to New York in protest. This is a movement that's been trending on X as of this weekend, Boycott NYC. And these pro-Trump truckers are apparently especially offended by the suspension of the Trump Organization's business license in New York, as the Trump Organization, per that ruling, which is being appealed, can't operate in New York for three years. And that's in addition to that $350 million fine. Trump's adult sons, Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr., have to fork over $4 million. So this man, known as Chicago Ray, posted a video on X explaining what these truckers are feeling now. Hey, folks, your old pal Chicago Ray. Uh, I 
I've been on the radio talking, talking to drivers for about the last hour, hour 15 minutes. And uh, I'm talking to at least 10 drivers going the other way. I'm heading down from South Wisconsin. And uh, they're going to start refusing loads in New York City starting on Monday. All right. Uh, I got about three drivers that I drive with. They already vibrated the boss and told them they ain't going to New York City. In Minnesota, a firefighter and two police officers are dead after responding to a domestic violence call in a Minneapolis suburb. The state's governor, Tim Waltz, posting online that other officers were injured in this incident. This was in Burnsville, about 15 miles south of Minneapolis. They're calling it a domestic-related shooting. And according to the Star Tribune, law enforcement sources confirm that the suspect died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Apparently, several guns were found at the home and fire came at responding officers and that paramedic from multiple points in the house. Seven children were inside the home. They've all been reported safe. Dylan Howell lives nearby. I'm not sure that those were gunshots. They might have been, you know, tear gas or flashbangs or something. Yeah, I heard uh, reports of shots fired near Burnsville Parkway. It's expected that cops there in Minnesota will provide more details later today. In Indianapolis, a shooting at a Waffle House this morning left one person dead, five injured. This on the west side of Indianapolis. An adult female died at the hospital, an adult male in critical condition. The chair of the House Intelligence Committee says he has fears that the White House was sleeping into an international crisis, sleepwalking into an international crisis. This is Ohio Republican Congressman Mike Turner, who's at the Munich Security Conference in Germany, and he spoke with NBC's Meet the Press about why he expressed concerns publicly last week about what he calls a serious national security threat. My concern is that this is kind of like the Chinese spy balloon and the, the administration is kind of hiding perhaps, you know, some inaction. And Turner wants the Biden administration to declassify information related to this threat, but he would not confirm whether or not what he's talking about here are related to news reports of Russia developing space-based nuclear weapons that can attack satellites. WABC News Time 557 on this President's Day. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. And we have some breaking news this morning out of Teaneck, New Jersey. Multiple people injured in a house fire along Palisade Avenue. The flames broke out just after 1230 a.m. Multiple residents trapped in the basement when first responders arrived. Two residents burned, another being treated for an unknown injury at Hackensack University Medical Center. No word how many in total were impacted by this fire, but the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office continuing to investigate now. And we're going to turn to Justin Ellick and get a preview of what to expect on Sid and Friends in the morning on this President's Day. Justin? Thank you, Flippin. It's going to be a special five-hour edition today. Oh, that's right. Of Sid and Friends in the morning. Uh, Brian Kilmeade out all week, so we're going to get an extra hour of uh, Sid, 6 a.m. to, man, let me do the math in my head, 11. That's got to be 11 o'clock this morning, five hours of Sidney Rosenberg in the way of guests kicking us off at 7.15. In person here in studio is going to be Curtis Slewa, 7.45. It's going to be Rich O'Lowry for his weekly Monday morning hit with Sid, 8.15. The boss man, John Katsimatini, hopping on for his weekly uh, Monday morning with Sid. Steve Bannon will join us at 8.45. 
this morning before uh, Carrie Lake at 10.15. James will have a uh, surprise or two for you along the way as well in that 9 o'clock hour and maybe one uh, other uh, special guest sprinkled in. All right, that's your Monday morning edition. Sid and friends coming at you just a couple of minutes away. All right. You live and it is President's Day. Don't forget the market's closed. Some local government offices as well closed. And President's Day honoring the great George Washington and President Lincoln. Getting up to 39 degrees later today. We should have sunny skies. And I'm James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden.